Awesome. We just thank our children's ministry team and uh, all who are serving this morning. What a great, great morning to be at Hope, to be at the house of God. Well, five years ago, many of you know, our family moved from Colorado to the Philly area here in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. We, we fell in love with this church. We love all of you, and we've actually grown to love this area. What's that? Oh, okay. Uh, get distracted. Reminds me of youth ministry, preaching to middle schoolers. Just uh, got to focus. All right. So uh, really grown to love this area. Sometimes you live somewhere your whole life. You forget what an amazing thing it is to live in this Philadelphia region. Number one, you got the history. I love the history. Love going to the historical sites. Uh, you know, friendly reminder, Philadelphia is the birthplace of America. So you're welcome, America. Thank you. You're welcome, you know. Um, also, we have this, uh, Philadelphia is the city that brought us Rocky Balboa and the underdog fight. That's right. So one of the first things I did when I came to Philadelphia, I'm like, I got to climb the Rocky steps. So those of you who've seen Rocky number four, we know the one who can stop the Russians. Hey, there's only one Rocky Balboa. And of course, I've learned that uh, here in Philadelphia, we have four main food groups. We've got the water ice, uh, pretzels, hoagies, and my favorite, cheesesteaks. Well, these are the four major food groups here, and I love every one of them. Uh, there's no vegetables on there. Well, I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, the Colorado Rockies, the Colorado baseball team came, and they played the Phillies here in Philadelphia. Uh, Rockies didn't win a single game. Phillies swept them four games. And, and I think I know why. Uh, this, is, this is real news. This is not fake news here. Saw this article. Um, I think they ate too many cheesesteaks. Put up this headline. Uh, Rockies coach downs 25 cheesesteaks during four-game series. Guys, that is real. That's true. Like, you don't get cheesesteaks in Colorado. Like, there's only one place to get a cheesesteak. You can't find them in Jersey. Like, only one city. So I hope you guys hear the, the Philly love coming from my heart. We're in a series here at Hope on the book of Isaiah. I actually want to tell you about another city today. And this is a spectacular city. People from all over the world will come because this will be the city where God dwells on earth. And the name of the city is Zion, the city of God. Now, this is not a city that is here on earth, at least not yet, but it will be. We learn about this city in Isaiah chapter 60. We're talking about a city today, incredible city to come. Now, you guys remember how I said, I've said a couple of times, Isaiah is like the mini Bible. So our Bible has 66 books. Isaiah has 66 chapters. What's the last book in the Bible? Anyone remember? Revelation, Revelation right? So we are in Isaiah chapter 60 today of 66 chapters. What you're going to begin to see is that just like the Bible ends with the book of Revelation, the book of Isaiah begins to end here now with, with uh, end times, eschatology, uh, the culmination of history, a new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah ends just like the Bible ends. It's pretty amazing. And a lot of people have questions about end times. What's it going to be like? And what I want to point out today is that at the end of history, there will be a new city, 
a new Jerusalem, and God will dwell in this city, and people from all over the world will come, come to worship God. So I actually want to go, before we get to Isaiah 60, I want to take you to the end of the Bible, to Revelation 21, and, uh, and, and listen to the description of this city in Revelation 21. This is what John says. He has a vision here. Uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. Here's that city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It's a city that comes from heaven. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And now John quotes Isaiah. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You guys excited? Pretty spectacular description of our eternity with God. John sees the dawn of a new day. The old passes away. God makes everything new. Heaven literally comes to earth. And so for all of us who've died and gone to heaven, we now find ourselves on this new earth in our physical bodies. It's a little detail the Bible calls the resurrection. So God's purpose for Humanity, his ultimate vision for eternity is that we would live resurrected lives in resurrected bodies with a resurrected Christ in a resurrected world. This is where history is going. And the crowning glory of the new heaven and new earth will be the holy city, it says, the new Jerusalem. And, and it tell, John tells us in this city, God himself will dwell on earth. Wow! And we'll all experience it together as we come to Zion, the city of God. Can you even fathom what that would be like? I think John anticipates all of our questions, a million questions. And he begins describing for us this new and heavenly Jerusalem in all of its glory and splendor. I'd like to read a portion of that. And then when I'm done, I'm going to have Phyllis come up and read Isaiah 60. Because I want you to hear all of the parallels between Isaiah 60 and the future glory of Zion and this description of the new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem in Revelation 21. You'll see the parallels between these two cities. But let's start with Revelation 21. So here's the description of the new Jerusalem in Revelation 21. It says the city does not need sun or the moon to shine on it. It's not necessarily that there isn't a sun or moon. It's just not needed because the glory of God is so spectacularly radiant. It says the glory of God gives it light. And the lamb is its lamp. Who's the lamb? Jesus, right? There he is. The nations will walk by its light of this new Jerusalem. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. And nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names 
are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life today, if you believed in Jesus Christ, you have an eternity here in this glorious world that God has for us, the world to come. So this is the description of the new Jerusalem. I'm going to have Phyllis come up and read Isaiah 60, which is all about the future glory of Jerusalem. And I want to see if you can spot some of the parallels between those two passages. So go ahead, Phyllis. Thank you. Can you hear me? So hear the word of the Lord from the prophet Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, the darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camel will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. All Kedar's flocks will be gathered to you, and the rams of Nebula will serve with you. Will serve you. They will be accepted as offerings on my altar, and I will adorn my glorious temple. Who are these that fly along the clouds like doves to their nests? Surely the islands look to me. In the lead are the ships of Tarshish, bringing your children from afar with their silver and gold to the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Foreigners will rebuild your walls and their kings will serve you. Though in anger I struck you, in favor I will show you compassion. Your gates will always stand open. They will never be shut, day or night, so that people may bring you the wealth of the nations. Their kings led in triumphal procession. For the nation or kingdom that will not serve you will perish. It will be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the juniper, the fir, and the cypress together to adorn my sanctuary, and I will glorify the place for my feet. The children of your oppressors will come bowing before you. All who despise you will bow down at your feet and will call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Although you have been forsaken and hated, with no one traveling through, I will make you the everlasting pride and the joy of all generations, you will drink the milk of nations and be nursed at royal breasts. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring you gold and silver in the place of iron. Instead of wood, I will bring you bronze and iron in the place of stones. I will make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in the land nor ruin or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, 
and your days of sorrow will end. Then all your people will be righteous, and they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands, for the display of my splendor. The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will do this swiftly. Wow. It's the word of the Lord. Did you guys hear the parallels between Isaiah 60 and Revelation 21? The light shining in the city, moon waning no more, sorrow ending. Uh, you see the, the nations coming, bringing their wealth to the city. I mean, Isaiah, or John in his vision is quoting extensively from Isaiah chapter 60. They're both prophecies about Jerusalem, the holy city. And I think what all this tells us is that what Isaiah predicts of Jerusalem in Isaiah 60 finds its ultimate fulfillment in Revelation 21, in the new Jerusalem, in the new heavens and earth. Uh, in a commentary on Isaiah 60, J. Alec Moiter says this, the coming glorious Zion is the consummation of the worldwide purposes of God. You guys see the majesty of what we're talking about this morning? Now, I think it's important that we establish this big picture perspective as we come to Isaiah 60 this morning. Um, why, why should we study Isaiah 60? Because no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bleak it feels, um, you know, we have a God who always fulfills his purposes. And he will fulfill our purposes for, the, for this world. Um, what, what awaits us is a glorious future with God, not only for us, but for our children and for this world. See, and as we build our confidence in this future, it changes our life. And we become agents of change in the world around us. C.S. Lewis makes a great observation in Mere Christianity about the importance of hope. He says, the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most about the next. Isn't that interesting? The Christians who've done the most for this world are often the ones that think the most about the next. And so today we want to think a lot about the next world, the world to come. What's it going to be like? Well, I want to show you three features of this new Jerusalem. And we'll look at what it means for our future and then what it means for us today. So number one, first feature of the new Jerusalem. We heard this. The light will shine. Our dawning day will come. How amazing is that? As we look to the future, this is verse one. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises on you. And Isaiah predicts a time when, when the light rises on Zion. And God will once again, once again establish his city as the glory of all lands. Not just for the land of Israel, but for the entire world. And no doubt in Isaiah's day that the glory of Israel would have been Solomon's temple. You remember that temple? And what a sight that would have been to behold if we could have beheld it. it the, the temple inside it, it housed the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God on earth. And as glorious as that was, God has something even more glorious. As glorious as the temple, or even after the destruction of the temple, the rebuilding of that temple, as glorious as those things were, God has something even more glorious. The true light that gives light to the world was coming. And here in the city of Jerusalem, the blazing light of King Jesus would shine forth as Israel's Messiah and the world's true Lord. 
Here in the city of Jerusalem, Jesus dies on a cross for sins. He rises from the dead in Jerusalem. He ascends to the right hand of heaven, right where he must reign until all things come under his feet. It's here in the city of Jerusalem where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he sends out witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And yet this is not the end of the story because Christ is coming again and Christ will be our everlasting light. And what Scripture tells us that here in the new and heavenly Jerusalem, Christ will shine His light to the world. And there will be no more darkness because of the glory of Jesus Christ. Listen to John's report. Revelation 21, 23, he says, The city does not need sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the lamp, the lamb is its lamp. What does this mean for us today? It means we don't have to fear the darkness. And that's verse 2. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Some days it feels like darkness covers the earth. And no matter how dark it gets, the light of Jesus Christ always shines brighter. His light pierces the darkness. We don't have to be afraid because even when darkness covers the earth, it doesn't change the fact the light of Jesus Christ shines in you. And his light is always brighter. His light is always stronger. And where does God want his visible glory to shine? It says, the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears on you. And so my encouragement today for all of us today is to be bold and don't hold back. Don't let the, the darkness around you quiet your voice. Let the light of Jesus Christ shine on you and let his glory be displayed in your life. Wherever you go, shine the light of Jesus in every one of your relationships. When you go to work, shine the light of Jesus. Students, on your, on your school campus, let the radiant glory of Jesus Christ shine in you. Nothing can overcome the darkness. We don't have to be afraid. John 1.5, one of my favorite verses, one of the most encouraging verses when it feels like there's a lot of darkness. Remember this promise, John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, that's Jesus, and the darkness has not overcome it, and it will not overcome it. A new day is dawned. This is our wake-up call. Be radiant, church. The light will shine. And we look forward to the day when the light shines from the new Jerusalem. There will be no more darkness. We'll see the glory of Jesus Christ. Let it shine. Second feature of the new Jerusalem. The people will come. People will come. Okay, this reminds me of, uh, you guys remember that movie, uh, Field of Dreams? You guys remember that? Love that movie. Um, If you remember the film, a... Young Kevin Costner, I guess we were all younger when that movie came out, plays Ray Kinsella. He's a man who builds a baseball field on his farm. But then, uh, you know, the farm's about to get foreclosed on. And his brother-in-law comes, shows up at the baseball field, and he's saying, Ray, sign the papers, sign the papers. And then uh, James Earl Jones stands up, Terrence Mann, and he gives this legendary speech. And he says, people will come, Ray. 
They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn into the driveway. They'll arrive at your door. People will come, Ray. As the darkness settles in and the light of the baseball diamond goes on, there's a long line of cars you know, approaching the field. As far as the eye can see, people will come. And as the Bible describes this coming city where God will dwell in all of his fullness and the earth will be full of the glory of the Lord, the Bible shows us that people will come. They'll come from all over. The wealth of the nations will come. Coming to Zion to offer worship to God. This is what Isaiah predicts. Looking at verse 4 of chapter 60. Lift up your eyes. Look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. You'll look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. The rich, to you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. All Keter's flocks will be gathered to you and the rams of Nebaioth will serve you. It will be accepted as offerings on my altar and I will adorn my glorious temple. Who are these that fly along the clouds like doves to their nests? Surely the islands look to me and in the lead are the ships of Tarshish bringing your children from afar with their silver and gold to the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor. If we could go back to the start of that verse that I could just point out a couple of things, make a few observations. Look at the people who arrive. First of all, we have the full ingathering of Jewish believers, which would be a fulfillment of Romans 11. Uh, children of Abraham, your sons and daughters carried at the hip. We have nations streaming to Zion from every corner of the globe, north, south, east, and west. And I believe these are resurrected believers in Jesus on the new earth, making their way to the city of Zion, to the place where God dwells in all of his glory. We see the same vision in Revelation, the new Jerusalem, Revelation 21, 24. Here are the nations again. The nations will walk by its light, the light of the new Jerusalem, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. So the Bible tells us on the renewed earth that people will bring their greatest treasures to the glorious city of God. And they present them before the Lord as worship. So let's just pause here for a moment and think about what we're reading. Think about the picture that's emerging from Isaiah 60 and Revelation 21. We've got ships coming, international travel. We have animals from all over the world. We have gold and silver in abundance. Right? And all of this is coming to God in Zion, as worship. Have you guys ever thought about your eternity that way? Think about it. All that, the new heavens and the new earth, it's pretty amazing. I like what one commentator had to say about the glory of the new earth. Look at this. The treasure that men find laid up in heaven 
turns out to be the treasures and wealth of the nations. The best they've known on and loved on earth, redeemed of all imperfections and transfigured by the radiance of God. And of course, the greatest treasure of all is going to be God himself in all of his glory. But I was, I was thinking about this this week. If we will spend all of eternity bringing what we have enjoyed most on this earth and presenting it to God as worship, why wouldn't we start doing that today? Why wouldn't we bring all the blessings that God has given us? God, take my work and turn it into worship because I'm offering it up to you. We celebrated child dedications last week. God, I'm dedicating my children to you today. I want to raise these children, Lord, for the honoring of your name. This means we're, we're, we're looking at our finances and we're saying, God, I want my finances. I offer them to you for the proclaiming of your name and the adorning of your temple. I want to give my whole life to God as an offering of worship. Guys, if that's what we're going to do on the new earth, why wouldn't we start today on this earth? A glorious picture. The light will shine. People will come. What a moment that will be. We look around and we see our loved ones. We see our children all coming to this city. And the last one, I love this. The glory will never end. The glory will never end. We have a glorious future in the city of God. And, and just look at what we can expect. Our glorious new day, Isaiah 60. Some really important things to highlight here. Number one, God fulfills all his promises to Israel. And, and it's really important to see this. In, in the Old Testament, God makes eternal promises to Israel. So I believe God is a man of his word. And eternal just means forever. So here we see actually God fulfilling a lot of his promises to Israel. In Isaiah 60, I, there are several examples. I want to look at just one. That's all the time we have. Um, let's look at God's promises uh, here to Israel for the land of Canaan. Now, in Isaiah 60, it says, it says they will possess the land forever, and we'll get to that. But let's go back to the original promise in Genesis 17:8. God makes this promise to Abraham. And God says to Abraham, I'll give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner. To you... And to your descendants, it will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Uh, how many of you know the word for forever means forever, right? <laughs> so, so God is going to fulfill this promise. God has promised Abraham the land of Canaan forever. It actually became known as the promised land. Now, did Abraham ever receive that promise? No. And Hebrews tells us that Abraham actually died in faith. I think what Abraham understood is, is you can't inherit etern an eternal land when you have a perishable life in a corruptible world. And so all the Old Testament saints are actually dying in faith, looking for the city to come. We see that in Hebrews eleven sixteen. It says, they're not longing for a country here. They're longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared, here it is again, a city for them. A new Jerusalem, a heavenly 
Jerusalem in a better country. And just like there's a, a Jerusalem in Israel, there's going to be a new Jerusalem in a new land for God's people in a new earth where all the nations are going to come and where the glory of God will fill the entire earth. All God's promises come true. And so Isaiah looks ahead to the ultimate fulfillment of the land of promise when he says in Isaiah 60, 21, they will possess the land forever. That's amazing to me. All God's promises come true. Glory will come. What else? I'm going to group these together. These are much more familiar promises from Isaiah 60. Everything will be made better. How about that? Uh, he's going to replace, you look in uh, Isaiah 60, he replaces bronze with gold, silver for iron. Of course, in Revelation 21, you have the streets of gold. This is going to be pretty spectacular. Uh, peace and prosperity. God says in Isaiah 60, I'll make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. What a great day that'll be. Peace like we've never experienced it. Well-being. Days of sorrow will end. No more crying. No more tears. No anxiety. No cancer. No depression. No more broken hearts. So bind up the broken hearted. Days of sorrow will end. Those who reject God will perish. We saw that in both passages. And, uh, you know, those who reject God today are not going to want God tomorrow. And so all those who reject God will perish. But remember God sent Jesus. God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. That, so whoever believes in him would not perish. And that's our hope. All your people will be righteous. How about that? No more, we're not going to sin again. You'll never have to ask God for forgiveness again. I'm looking forward to that. I got to say sorry a lot. All your people will be righteous. And here's the grand finale. God will be your glory. Wow. So how do we know we're on our way to glory? The Bible says there's only one way. Through faith in Jesus Christ. And Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. The life of the Christians always faith to faith, glory to glory. Glory is coming. And the glory of that day will never end. It goes on forever. Christ will be our light. And it says he'll be our everlasting light. The, it'll be their land forever. You look at Isaiah 60, there's timeless language here. And that's, that's why I don't put Isaiah 60 in, in the millennium. Could there be foretastes of Isaiah 60 in the millennium? Absolutely. But a thousand years wouldn't be enough. For God to fulfill this promise. The glory never ends. Lasts forever. There's a great scene at the end of the Lord of the Rings. So I'm just going to nerd out here with a little Lord of the Rings here at the end. The end of the trilogy. Uh, the ring, the ring of power has fallen into the fires of Mount Doom. The king has returned, Aragorn. And Gandalf suddenly stands before Sam. He's robed in white, his beard is glistening like the sun. It startles Sam and he gasps. And Sam says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. And then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to become untrue? What's happened to the world? What an amazing question. Sam doesn't ask, will all the good things become true? 
He asks, will all the sad things become untrue? It's a profound statement. Like our Christian faith, it recognizes that something is profoundly wrong with the world that we live in. Our world is filled with sadness. Darkness covers the earth. It is distressed by sin, awaiting its day of redemption. Creation itself is groaning for that day. And Isaiah 60 reveals in the final consummation of God's great story, all that's sad will become untrue. The curse will be rolled back and the world will be changed. And that's the great God story for every one of us here today. Let me pray. God, we thank you that your light shines, that even in this moment, people are coming to you and that we have a hope of a glory that never ends. God, we thank you that your, your word doesn't leave us wondering about the future. But we know a spectacular moment is coming when you will dwell with us in all of your radiance and glory and we want to be with you on that day we want to be one of those who are making our way to this city that we might offer you our very lives as worship and so i just pray if there's anyone here today who's who's never placed their trust in jesus christ that that in this moment god that they would receive jesus christ as savior and lord we cannot make it to this wonderful city by our efforts or by our works. There's only one way, and that is by believing and receiving Jesus Christ. So we thank you that, that you are with us in our world. As we go through darkness, we thank you that the light of Jesus Christ always shines brighter. Help us to shine that light today. Wherever we go, as we approach VBS and we're praising you for the community already signing up, God, we want to be your hands and feet. Let the light of Jesus Christ shine in all of our neighborhoods, in this community, in all of our schools, and all around the world today. Let it shine in us. Thank you, God, that everything is coming to this big finish where you are all in all and Christ will reign and we will worship forever. So as we close this morning, that's exactly what we want to do. Church is a foretaste of heaven. We're all of us gathering, worshiping in your, your house, Lord. Let your presence fill our hearts with joy this morning. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I love you guys. Will you stand? Can we worship him?